This episode is presented by Fleet Feet. We're not going to be a brand-specific running group. This isn't a, a mono-branded city. Like, every footwear company and even most apparel companies have had a home base here at some point. So it would be wrong if we were like, Nike Dutch Stock Run Club, you know, Dutch Stock Run Club powered by Adidas, you know, or whatever. And who knows, maybe there's opportunities for that at some yeah. point. But it, but it will never be where if you're not wearing this, if you're not wearing that, if you're not part of this, you can't be here. It will never be that. My name is Allison Mariella Desir, and this is Out and Back, a podcast exploring how Black, Indigenous, and other people of color are reclaiming space in the outdoors. Each episode, you'll hear their stories, and we'll get outside with them in their element. This episode, I'm leaving Washington for Portland, Oregon, a place that is regularly called the whitest big city in America. There, we're hanging out with the Black-led Dead Stock Run Club. Oregon has simultaneously been central to the history of running, while also being a historically unsafe place for Black people. For instance, the state passed three Black exclusion laws in the 1800s. Those laws were later rescinded, but even during the 20th century, Klan demonstrations and cross burnings were common throughout the state. That's why what Ian Williams and Amir Armstrong are doing is so amazing and important. Together, they give Portland two dope places to get coffee and a welcoming place to run every Tuesday. If you want to see Ian, Amir, and I talking and running around Portland, check out our video series. There's a link to it in the show notes, or you can find it at crosscut.com video. The day started with Ian and Amir at Deadstock Coffee, a place that felt as welcoming as a stoop in Harlem. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? What's up? Thank you for inviting me welcome, out. Welcome to the city. <laughs> Tell me where we are. Um, we are in uh, Old Town, Chinatown, uh, which is part of downtown Portland. Uh, and this neighborhood is actually uh, back in the late 18s. Um, this is where, because of the railroads and everything, the only place mm. where black people were allowed to live. Mm. Um, they Because they disliked the idea of there being black people in Oregon so much, there was no slaves at all. They were like, man, we'll tell our own land. Like, like we're wow. seriously not even about it. But as they started to, uh, as the railroad and everything started to expand, this was a neighborhood where everybody could live. So um, mm. this at one point was a bustling um, black community. Uh, mm. The uh, Mount Olivet Baptist Church was over mm. there, which ended up getting moved uh, out north. Uh, literally, KKK moved uh, next door and was like, check this out. I'm gonna give you this wood and you're gonna move <laughs> or we're gonna burn it down. And they were like, we'll take the wood. <laughs> and so that's where Mount Olivet is currently uh, in North Portland off of Chautauqua. But uh, uh, after that, Japanese people moved in. They got moved out. Jewish people moved in. They got moved out. Chinese people moved in. Um, and they were the last year. So that's why we call it Chinatown. Mm. Dope. How do you know all this stuff? I've been outside. <laughs> <laughs> I've been out here for a long time. Um, I mean, I've been coming down here years uh this is where the sneaker community has been mm. um and you know portland being the footwear capital of the world part of the reason why amir is even in the city mm. uh is because of the footwear industry that is out here majority of the footwear industry was in this part of the neighborhood and so there was no better place for us to go uh when i was looking to open up the shop 
Well, I would love for you to take us inside, mm -hmm. check out the shop. No, you got to do it by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Show me around. Yeah, okay, I got you. All right. All right. Um, yeah, so uh, that's our coffee. We're a sneaker-themed coffee shop. Uh, we've been open in this location. Started in a shoe store across the street, okay. 2015. Uh, and I had like a little stand that I moved up and down the stairs every day, which was really stupid. <laughs> Another story. Uh, and then we moved into this spot February 2016 and been here ever since. So this is the only location. This is the original location. You know, we use this space to try to, you know, show as much like local and community art as possible, mm. as long as it's related to like streetwear, music, sneakers, like all that, all that cars, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, like it, it's like a mix between like your, your bedroom and mm. like a, like a museum. Um, and even like there's a, a signed pair, uh, T-Max, uh, signed by Tracy McGrady up there. Mm. Uh, the shoe that I designed when I was young and a bunch of wait, colorways. Wait, wait. Let's, let's go check out the shoe you designed huh? when you were young. I designed a shoe when I was young. And let's, then it's over. Let's, let's, let's go right. check it out. Yeah, you just dropped that real casual. Oh, like, everybody designs shoes. Yeah, they do. And, and I guess beer. so. I guess so. so in Portland, everybody does. Um, we are the full capital of the world, like we spoke about. I used to work at Nike back in like 2005. Mm -hmm. uh, started at the employee store, then I made airbags, then I was a janitor. When I was a janitor, uh, I asked the people who worked in the skate division if I could design a shoe, and they said, yeah. Uh, so I did a shoe that was inspired by my night job as a janitor. Uh, so I did a three shoe pack called the custodian pack. It was a vacuum shoe, a Windex shoe, and then a wet floor sign. Uh, and so this is the wet floor and it released in 2009. And this was the thing that like got me going like on a serious career trajectory before I just wanted to do something and shoes didn't know what I wanted to do. After I did this, uh, I was like, I want to make shoes. And so that's what, that's what got me started. And so fast forward to now, when we were trying to figure out what our brand colors were, the thing that people knew about me the most was this shoe. So we just decided to adopt this as our brand colorway. Like, mm. so black, white, yellow, red. The amount of intention and thought behind everything you do like blows my mind. And Amir, you've been here for a minute. How did y'all meet? As Ian mentioned, the sneaker industry brought me here. Um, I was working for an Italian brand called Diodora. Um, the U.S. headquarters was in Philadelphia, so I moved out here from there um, when I was 25. So I walked in, heard about this sneaker thing coffee shop. I didn't have Wi-Fi at the time. Mm. So I'm like, oh, let me just go in here and like steal, uh, steal some Wi-Fi for a quick sec. So <laughs> I walk in and I see all this like Allen Iverson, Sixers stuff. Uh. And I'm just like, who's from Philly? Ian's like serving coffee, turns around, he's like... I said, who wants to fight about it? That's, that's the first thing I said. Thing I, was like, I was like, who has words? That's the first thing you did say. And I was just like, energy. I'm there. Um, crazy enough, um, it, was, it was you, Terrence, and Isai. Like the three people that you want to know and need to know in Portland. And uh, what I thought was an hour in the store of me, like, you know, taking Wi-Fi and just working. I ended up staying for, like, the entire day, like, mm. five, six hours. And this man introduced me to every single person that walked through the door that day. Mm. The, rest, the rest is history. I've been, I've been bugging him for the next four years. I'm like, the, I'm like the village elder. Fortunately, I know most people. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, 
and like, you know, my, my job is to introduce people to more people so that people can do more people stuff, right? Coffee shops are a meeting spot, like they're, they're a community space. And but I wanted a spot where I could go hang out with my homies. Like there was no middle zone. If you worked at Nike, left and went to Adidas, there's nowhere to hang out other than like a club or something like that. And I didn't want to go there. You know, I wanted to see somebody during the day. I want to be able to bring my nephew. So we would go to coffee shops, but then we just hated the coffee shops uh, that we would go to. We never felt comfortable. So instead of complaining about it, I just built one. Um, and I and the hope was to give other people the platform to be able to do the same thing, to connect, to take a break. Even during COVID, I refused to close. Uh, I thought it was important that people always had people to go back to. So even if we only let one person in the door, um, th this was still, like this is essentially the stoop. Like you see- This, this is uh, like, this the is, stoop vibe. Yeah, yeah. I love so it. You, <clears throat> I mean, you, you already see how it is, yeah. right? Like, when we first started talking, you were like, I like what's happening here yeah. because this is what happens here all day. Because it's rarely about sneakers. It's rarely about, it's, a, it's often about what's happening in the world, family, uh, who, which, which Kanye album is better. Like it, those are the conversations that we have. Uh, it just happens to be that majority of us like this thing that goes on our feet, you know? That's dope. Yep. How did the run club start, right? Cause there's dead stock coffee and dead stock run club yeah it's a funny story in 2013 no 2014 i was like i want to open this coffee shop but i needed people to come together first so i was like i knew that there would needed to be like energy around people meeting so i was like i'm gonna start this running thing it was called the good enough run club because it was for people who suck at running so we just did good enough like, that's fine <laughs> um and so it was like four people six people eight eight 12, eight, three, like, you know, because we don't run, right? Uh, and then, so, you know, then I ended up just opening the coffee shop, all that kind of stuff. 2016, tried to bring it back, nothing. 2017, I was like, eh, maybe I should bring it back, nothing. 2019, Hood the Coast reaches out and they're like, uh, hey, here's a, here's a team. And Amir had moved here, what, 2018? Yeah, so Amir moved here like 2018 and was very interested in starting like a running community thing. Um, and- uh, Your recruitment tactics are really good. Thank you. Uh, listen, I know what I'm doing. He just said, he just looked, you're running hook the coast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay. And he goes, I'm like, well, like who are we running with? And he turns around <laughs> and looks at like I think it was Luis. Luis and like Jordan, <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> not not runners. <laughs> yeah. like, well, we're gonna have to start running. <laughs> we're running with them. Yeah, it's a, them. Like they gave us like the hey, you guys are like a bunch of minorities. Here's a team, you know. And uh, and, I was, and I was like, I can find some more minorities, I guess. Uh, and then yeah, I, I swear like the next day, Amir walked in and I was like, we're running who the coast with us. The thing is, I didn't, I didn't say like, no, I just said, okay. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just gotta let people know they already was gonna do it anyway. Uh -huh, that's just like, why catalyst. don't you do it right now? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so, so then, yeah, he was like, well, we should probably start running. And he's like, well, I'm gonna start getting people together, you know? And so he started the running. And yeah, so it'll be like, you know, again, four, eight, 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 uh, you know, a little bit more. And then, uh, you know, we're trying to build up to it, COVID. So that shut all of that down. 
uh, for a, we announced it as an, uh, an official <laughs> run club. Oh, yeah. And then the shutdown. It might have been a, a few days later because I was in San Francisco at the time for work. The Pelicans <laughs> were playing and then they Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Game. Yep. And I'm like, oh, snap. Like, this is real. So, yeah. And yeah, when they started canceling. <laughs> NBA games in the middle of the game, like, nah, it's kind of serious. I love that your gut check for it being real was, oh snap. <laughs> the NBA, <laughs> yeah, they like money. Uh, but then I don't know, somewhere in toward the summer when you could be back outside again and like all that, we decided to, yeah. So he was work. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah was, he, um, you know. <laughs> so ironically enough, I switched jobs and I had a one-on-one with. Um, uh, Jen Smith, um, who's currently at, uh, currently a pre-manager at Nike. Mm-hmm. About the time we were working in the same uh, agency together, mm-hmm. we had a random one-on-one, and we didn't work together at Thesis in any type of capacity. It was just like meet this person. So I was like pulling up on Tuesdays, like, well, I'm just run. Um, and then I told Jen I was coming to Deadstock on Tuesdays and run. So she came and pulled up, pulled up, invited some friends. Um, it was really essential to like like bring in the research and energy. Like, bring in like runners. runners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jen knew, knows the running community mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she brought like runners. So we had homies and then we had runners. <laughs> and, 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 and somehow the homies and the runners were like, we could all just be friends. Like, <laughs> you know. I see another shirt. Yeah. Like, homies and runners. Yeah. Not lovers and friends. Yeah, lovers and friends. Homies and runners. Homies yeah. And runners. <laughs> Stick around, we haven't even gotten to the adventure yet. This episode is presented by Fleet Feet. Fleet Feet believes that running changes everything. We sell the shoes, apparel, and gear you need to get started. And we host fun runs, training groups, and events. Whether you're training for your first mile or your 50th marathon, we're here to run with you. Learn more at fleetfeet.com. Now we're headed a mile across town to Concourse Coffee, Ian's other shop, to talk more with Ian and Amir. Why is this, I mean, love the name, get the concept, but why wasn't it Deadstock too? Deadstock in its truest form means like brand new or like it's something that's rare, fair shoes, mm. Deadstock records or uh, oh, like never... denim or anything like that. Yeah, it's like the end of stock, so it's like Deadstock. And it has been updated or reclaimed, I guess, to mean like a like brand new or like it's the state of whatever the product is. So it's like unworn, unopened. Mm. So if we open a bunch of dead stocks, that's not very dead stock of it, right? Mm. So uh, wherever we open another one, it will have to actually be something that is special to that area. Opening another dead stock in Portland is kind of difficult, mm. or in my eyes, right? Uh, but it's also mine, so I get to decide. Uh, and the name Concourse uh, comes from. Uh, in the back area, which uh, a lot of production happens. So we look at that like the arena, and then this is the concourse. This is the section where you go, you hang out, you connect with the homies before you go into work or wherever it is you're gonna go. Well, we've been reminiscing hearing some childhood stories. I'd love, Amir, if you could start by telling us sort of what was your life like growing up? Um, Were you always a runner? Yeah, so um, I'm originally from Philly. my family moved to Sickleville, New Jersey when I was younger. Um, I was I played football, basketball growing up. I, believe it or not, I ran track one year. 
mm. second grade. Um, and I was just like, oh, all right, this is cool. What was dope about it is like my father, I feel like he was never one of his dads to like force me into a sport or anything like that. He, whatever I wanted to do, he was like, hey, I'm gonna support you in it. I ended up going to uh, Camden Catholic High School um, in South Jersey. And uh, crazy enough, when I was there in my sophomore year, the Olympics were 2008. Irving Saladino ended up winning the long jump, who's a Panamanian. Mm. My mother's originally from Panama. Okay. So I was like, oh, it'd be cool to like, you know, try track, you know, mm -hmm. maybe I'll jump or whatever, you know, figure it out, do it again. And um, we even have a track at the school, so we had to train at a dirt track oh, down wow. the street <laughs> and then another high school's track. Um, wow. And I remember somebody telling me like, oh, I think you'd be a really good triple jumper. So that's the weird one. At the time, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Um, so like the night, the I'll never forget this. The night before a dual meet, I had practiced in the hallway. It was like, okay, it's like long jumping, but you got to do this. You got to hop, skip, and jump. I'm like, all right, whatever the hell this is. Um, so <laughs> the next day at the dual meet. I ended up going, end up jumping, my first time jumping was like, ended up being like 40 feet. And never done before. A lot. For somebody, their first, their first time. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious, I'm like, is that a lot? I'm, I'm, not, like, I'm not jumping 40 feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For somebody, their first time and not knowing yeah. what they're doing uh, was actually really good. So, coach comes up, he's like, yeah, you had about, you know, seven, you know, six, seven feet or whatever on there. Be a state champion. In my mind, I don't know. I don't know the like. Is it's five to seven feet like a big difference? I'm like looking at my feet, measuring stuff out. Mm. And um, from there on, I was just like, oh, okay. Like I'll stick with it. Going into my senior year, um, was top probably top three jumpers in the state in my in my event, um, which was pretty cool. Like I would go to meet the champions and. I came from a school that didn't even have a track. So, <laughs> so a lot of people weren't really checking for me. Right. ended up uh, going to college. I still have the Delaware State triple jump record. Well, and nothing <laughs> that you're saying, I don't hear any kind of thing about long distance running. I don't hear any kind of like... Or short distance running. Yeah, or short distance yeah. running. Like, where did the running, like when did, uh, like you're now the founder, leader of Deadstock, like mm -hmm. was... How did you get into long distance running? And do you think about why you didn't run long distance sooner? <laughs> um, that's the joke. Now, like, like gave you the background. That's the joke with all my teammates. It's just mm -hmm. like, you run all these miles now and do all mm -hmm. these things, which I don't feel like I run like a crazy amount of miles. Mm -hmm. um, I started running more working when I was working with Deodora, mm -hmm. uh, managing the West Region for running. Um, and it was something where it was just like, well, you start doing and you notice like the community and just the mm. friendships and the aspects that you have in running mm. even to the point where people are having like full-on conversations when they're running mm -hmm. which is something that i still like dislike <laughs> to do <laughs> uh, sometimes um, <laughs> it actually helps you it helps with your breathing though yeah um, and it helps time pass time fast all types of things so right, right. yeah <laughs> you would agree yeah but well, yeah tell me about your um upbringing I know that you grew up in a lot of white spaces you grew up well spent a lot of your youth here in Oregon yeah yeah, yeah. so I grew up uh, uh, I'm from back east I'm from Newport News Virginia uh, 
10 minutes from where the greatest basketball player of all time is from, Allen Iverson. Oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Every, time. Every time. I will always get that in there. And if you cut it out, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> um, no, so uh, my family's from, my mom is from Philly. My brother and sister, they're 11 or 12 years older than me. Mm. They're also born in Philly. Okay. Um, my dad is from Virginia. Um, uh, we have a different dad. And mm. so, uh, yeah, we, I, I grew up out there. We lived there till, till I was 10. Uh, my dad passed um, mm. from cancer, and mm. and my mom just decided. Like my brother was already here for uh, for work, and we just relocated. Mm. Um, so when we moved here, we didn't move to Portland. We moved to Aloha, which is a small <laughs> city between Beaverton and Hillsboro. After Aloha, we moved to Hillsboro. I was the only black kid in school, as far as I can remember, except for one year. But other than that, like I was the only black kid in school. First thing that anybody ever said to me. Uh, in class was like, can I touch your hair? I just didn't understand why. And then I looked around the classroom. Yeah, I grew up hearing all the things while I was cutting the grass mm-hmm. about how I was supposed to be cutting grass and mm-hmm. all sorts of words that everybody, you know, doesn't like to hear and just got used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I went to private school for middle high school, played basketball, was not a runner. Uh, I ran, uh, I did track because I knew that it was good for basketball, but I just wanted to throw. And we were like, what's the shortest one? Sure, sign me up. And so I ran the 100. Like the first the first time we ran it, uh, I think I ran a, like a 15-7. I, I was like, I have no idea. By the time it was done, I was like a 13-2. And I was like, man, your boy's cooking right now. Yeah, uh, ran the 100 and then we needed somebody for four by one. So I did that too. Why not? But yeah, graduated <laughs> class was 17. Little, little oh, wow. small school. It's now a terrible student. Like never was a good student always was in trouble always demerits like but i knew that i couldn't get kicked out of school because i was the only black one like i was the one who was in all the brochures like they could not kick me out like that and and i was and i got in trouble for silly stuff yeah there are a lot of experiences that you have been describing both of you about being called the n-word or people underestimating you but those experiences didn't seem to stop you or hold you back right they no, i don't have a choice no other choice. Yeah, like, what am I supposed to do? If, it, if, if anybody says anything to y'all, like, you're going to be like, man, mm. I guess I shouldn't be here. Like, no, I don't have a choice. Like, mm. I, I have to, if I want that thing, if, if that's not the way to go, I'll, I'll go the other way. Like, there's, mm. there's always a, I will tell you, there's one thing I learned in that school. There's always a way. Mm. Like, uh, I went to school for a very low price because they needed me for the photos and whatnot. Mm. They say it's because I was a great student, terrible student. Mm. Um, but I knew that there was a but I, there's but I knew that there was a way, right? Like I'm like, oh, there's a way. Later on, I also learned I'm dyslexic, uh, and so I, I learned that also. You, when that is the truth, you find ways around things always. That's dope. That's a lesson for me. There's a way. <laughs> there's always a way. Um, Amir, when you know, um, when I think about you running outside tall black man in Portland. What does that experience feel like for you? Um, honestly, it's, it's, it's really, it's interesting, but like it's empowering for like, you know, when people see me, yeah, it's like, who's this tall black guy? Like, when at the time I had really long locks, it came down to my yeah. back. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, they were super long. Wow. Yeah, so it was like, you know, you, you're out in those spaces and you just feel like, you know, like, like I'm here. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm doing. Um, 
you never forget that first like I always get this analogy of a superhero or mm. something you remember you know the first black superhero it's mm. like wow this person looks like me you know what I'm saying like or maybe I can be that or like just anything like when you see somebody that, that's doing it it's like okay I can do this describe yeah. what is a Tuesday night like <laughs> yeah definitely um, Tuesday night um, we're there early Tuesday Er Tuesday. E R R R. I was like, what do you say? At 7pm. Um, you will hear us blaring music outside of the coffee shop. Um, groups of people coming in, uh, waiting for the announcements. Nobody has said anything yet. If you walk in with me, we'll be right over here. Everybody else, I'm not worried about We like to give some time for people to you know, do what they need to do. He, he, he nicely put it, we're just like, yeah. <laughs> um, different brands come through, um, do demo runs. We um, we have, uh, to your point, we have three groups um, that we have, which is... We have the Get Going group with Ian. That's the walk jog. Um, me and my young business group, because I always ask what they about to do with Look, what are you guys walking today, but don't worry about it, bro. Yep, I usually get greeted that way when yeah. I ask. You know, so that's you'll, that you'll, see. you'll see. You'll see when we make yeah. it back. And I'm yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Um, then we have uh, the best group, um, no bias to pay you whatsoever. We have my group, the Indian group. And then, and then you got the, then you got the, as Ian would call it, the runner runners. Yeah, the real runners. And last but not least, we have the Getting To It group with Mark here. Um, which is led by uh, Margano, uh, previously led by Jen Smith. So it's cool that we start from the shop and we loop. Ian's about a mile and a half, two miles. I'm 2.75 miles. Mark is 4.5 miles, correct? Um, so just wanted to put that out there. All paces are welcomed in each group. Mark, take it over. We're about to get the stretch going. And it's right by the water. It's the waterfront. We utilize the oh, waterfront. Beautiful. Um, and it's beautiful to see. It's a way to, to look at the city from different angles. Um, and yeah, people are just like, you know, it's, it's, I like to tell people it's a vibe. You get out there, we've got something for everyone, you know? And, it's a, it's a social club with the run disguised into it. Yes, essentially. <laughs> and you know, what we didn't really mention earlier was Portland had the problem, you know, with all the protests and like riots mm -hmm. around like the time of George Floyd's passing and all that. So they had made all these rules around like the size of groups um, of people. Um, and there was, a, there was a rule that you couldn't have more than 50 people in a spot because like mixed COVID and all that, right? So mm. couldn't have more than 50 people or else that was like an unorganized mob. Mm. And there were weeks where we would have 90 people. Mm. And so we would be like, okay, Amir, you take your group across the street over there. We'll take ours over here and like pretend the like some of the coolest parts of the run are, you know, you have people who walk who, you know, we'll also jog in our group and stuff like that, who are like, you know what, I think I wanna, I think I wanna try the mm. two mile, the two and a half, the three mile today, mm. you know? And so they'll do that. People who get injured mm. will walk with us. Mm. People who are, people who are like, they have somebody who they're trying to get to know, or they have like somebody in town, they'll bring somebody and be like, okay, I know you're not a runner, so walk with these guys. Mm. Or I know, I know you like to run, so I walk, but you can run. What does it mean to the two of you? Like, how is it? impacted your lives and the lives of its members? It's a place where I moved here, I didn't know anyone. So, you know, it's kind of like paying it forward to the next mm -hmm. transplant, transplant that comes through. Um, and they're able to just 
fall in the place of finding community, find friends, find different, mm -hmm. you know, business relationships. You could be romantic relationships, could find your future husband or wife or whoever. Well, in fact, I met my husband through my run club, so. Oh, really? Oh, oh shoot. Well, yeah. y'all out here. Run club tender. <laughs> What's it on purpose? It just so happened. Yeah, that's how, that's, it'd be like that sometimes. Yeah. 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 Where, um, and then, you know, it's also beautiful to see, like, you know, to go out, this times with me and you have both been out, and we see, like, a large group that from our run, run club that's doing like karaoke or in a bar, yeah. hanging out and just being like, you know, seeing those friendships form. Uh, I mean, I, I would say sometimes I'm like, I didn't go to run club last week. I have to go this week because somebody's going to be like, where are you? Um, you know, and, and even whether it be because I didn't feel like it or maybe I had like something work related or you know uh or if i was out of town or whatever i'd be like i kind of have to go like there's some great friendships and great relationships and like all that that come uh, you know for me out of it as well mm -hmm. it's very encouraging i mean i can tell i i will just for sure like i know he's had bad days where it's like mm -hmm. man he just needs to show up and we'd be like you good and he just doesn't say anything and then by the time it's done he's like man i'm good mm -hmm. you know uh and me as me too, like I'm like man, I don't feel like being here, you know, mm -hmm. and and uh, and then like by the time it's done, you know, we're walking, we're talking, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff, and like man, it's just good to see people who are encouraging. Mm -hmm. And then for me, it's also a little bit different because it they're still, you know, originally I wanted to do it in order to get people into the coffee shop. Yeah. Um, there are definitely people who know about the cafe because of the run, and. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, it's not like millions of dollars, but you know, every every bit uh, definitely counts, and mm -hmm. and it and it helps to just, uh, you know, uh, with uh, authenticity, you know, and mm -hmm. like we would talk about building community as a business, you know, mm -hmm. and that really is a big part of it, mm -hmm. uh, and and also I just really want to encourage people to just move in general, mm -hmm. um, and just exercise and and it and it, on the flip, like I just said, it, it holds me accountable. You know, and, and so the hope is, you know, stuff like this. We just did our 5K, you know, uh, the oh, first one. Yeah, um, so cool yeah it, was, it was crazy. First one had 100 people run and, mm. you know, we're able to raise money for a big yard foundation. And but also just like we really empowered the community to run the thing, just like empowering everybody instead of just like this is mine. You know, what does yeah, the yeah. future hold? Uh, I mean, everything. But mm. the but the big one for me is we need a collab mm. at some sneakerheads. There's nothing better than a sneaker collab. So, mm. so what kind of, let's get into the nitty gritty. What kind of collab we looking for? I don't know, man. What we want? Want to be comfortable, light, uh huh, swaggy. Yeah. Just, just, just everything. Yeah. Just, 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 just allow us to to do what we do best, mm. and we delivering. Y'all create. We joke around with all the different brands that come in. Uh, yeah. So about the shoe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, thanks for doing trials today, but uh, when are we gonna get our shoe? Like we do every. It's so like not dead even, stock shoe. Dead stock run club. Like a global shoe. Uh, I mean, it could be global, but also yeah. could, it, it could just release with us. Like okay. us. Let me know when the shoe drops. I will buy one. Okay. And then I think like me and this something we talked about uh, prior is just like, you know, what's that? What's that next step as a club look like? You know, is it, you know, nonprofit status? Mm -hmm. You know, being able to you know, expand different programming um, along with that. Um, I feel like there's some opportunity there every time I look at different run clubs, mm -hmm. um, different orgs. I mean, I come from working nonprofits as well. 
um, and just you know being able to elevate the experience um, mm -hmm. for club members for the community um, and be able to to keep doing these like you know this was the first race we did Chinatown 5k it's the first race I have put on in my life you know yeah. um, and you know to be able to connect I think you know Ian had, Ian had mentioned this like we have vendors in there um, and even have like Fleet Feet Portland come down and yeah. get foot scanning done I feel like when you're a new runner or just new to the place you buy what's hot or mm -hmm. you don't necessarily go understand what goes into fitting and whatnot like being mm -hmm. able to educate people on like hey this is the correct shoe for you this is the right size for you mm -hmm. um so it was their first time being like wow i can get my foot scan mm -hmm. and this literally tells me everything i need to know it's, it's the trippiest thing when people first see it but mm -hmm. it's like how do you how do you continue how do we continue to elevate and what does that look like we have a ton of ideas. We are not we are not short of ideas mm -hmm. or creativity. That's actually the problem. <laughs> <laughs> we, we essentially threw a party yeah. at 10 a.m. with a run in it. Yeah. Well, I have no doubt in five years all these ideas will uh, have manifested. It's gonna it's gonna be more ridiculous. Yeah, next time next time you next time you're here because you're coming back. Yes, uh, with my son. Yeah, my come back. That's right. Bring yeah. the youth yeah. uh, and your husband. Yeah. Uh, more Amirs here. Yeah, yeah. more Amirs. Uh, <laughs> you know, next next time you come back, we'll uh, it'll it'll be exponential. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you both because I can feel your energy and like, I mean, I was joking, but I would move here just to hang out here mm -hmm. and dead style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. so thank you for your energy, for all your contributions to like making movement a space for us. If you want to continue adventuring with me and dive deeper into this story, check out the show notes. There, you'll find links to the video series and an article I wrote about the themes of this episode. This podcast is hosted and reported by Allison Mariella Desir. That's me. My producer is Brooklyn Jamerson Flowers. The executive producer is Mark Baumgarten. Audio production from Bryce Y. Adolfson and Sarah E. Hall. And audio support from Rusty Bogal and Seth Halloran. You can subscribe to Out and Back wherever you listen. And if you like the show, please review us. It helps create excitement around a new show. And if you'd like to support the work we do at CrossCut, go to crosscut.com membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, Members receive complete access to on-demand programming from KCTS 9, Seattle's PBS station. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. Out and Back is a product of Cascade Public Media. Next time, we're heading to the water to do some fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs>